It's Thursday, January 6th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Thirty thousand active duty service members still have yet to be vaccinated, despite mandates and some deadlines already passing. To be clear, the vaccination rate stands at more than 97 percent, but some are instead resigning or facing honorable discharges instead of getting the jab. Lawsuits are pending and thousands have requested religious exemptions, although none have been granted. Melissa Hernandez, reporter at the L.A. Times, joins us for more. Next, CES 2022 is here, and it's time to take a look at the tech we could be using very soon or prototypes of things to come. The metaverse featured well at CES with products like the Pebble Feel, which is a hot and cold simulator that can replicate shifting weather. We also saw a fully autonomous tractor from John Deere that could revolutionize farming and a stuffed animal robot that nibbles your finger. Dalvin Brown, personal tech reporter at The Wall Street Journal, joins us for what's at CES. Finally, plant-based fried chicken is coming to KFC. Beyond Meat has partnered with them and are debuting a faux chicken nugget that is made using whole muscle technology that imitates cuts of meat like chicken breast. Amelia Lucas, restaurant reporter at CNBC, joins us for KFC's new Beyond Fried Chicken. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. And what we're seeing is cadets at West Point or even just that enlist in the Army 18, 19 years old are rescinding now their commitments and they're choosing to step away, most of them with honorable or generally under honorable conditions. Joining us now is Melissa Hernandez, reporter at the LA Times. Thanks for joining us, Melissa. Thank you so much. Let's talk about the vaccine mandates and what's going on with our U.S. troops right now. There's thousands of troops that are defying these COVID-19 vaccine orders right now. Now, to be clear, the vaccination rate for the service members right now is pretty good. I think we have about 97% of active duty forces have received at least one dose of the vaccine, but there are a lot of holdouts. So, Melissa, tell us a little bit more about what we're seeing. Sure. So it's an interesting thing because, you know, obviously when we think about the military, we think about the fact that these are people who are given these lawful orders and they're told to abide by these orders without really questioning it. And this is one of the first instances where we're really seeing that pushback and that defiance from troops who are making this claim and putting their stake in the ground by saying, no, I understand I am a soldier of the military and I am part of these branches, but I'm going to refuse that. It's been something that has been an interesting thing to follow because it's been evolving so fast. I mean, as you mentioned, we do have 97% of our forces are fully vaxxed, which is fantastic. But when you have this microcosm of about 30,000 active duty service members that are defying this mandate, that brings up the question of military readiness, which is essentially the biggest concern that we have. So it's been very interesting, you know, obviously getting to talk to people and hearing their perspectives on it and the various reasons of why people are choosing not to get vaccinated. You know, it's I don't know. It's, it's interesting. But you did talk to a couple of people, uh, some young people, cadets at West Point, in fact, who are starting their careers, basically hoping to become officers, going through that whole route. And uh, I think you spoke to a pair of people who resigned, who left West Point because of this. That was very interesting because, you know, I'm sure if you're familiar with the military, you understand that when you sign up for this, there is an initial commitment that you have to fulfill, whether that could be four five or six years. And what we're seeing is cadets at West Point or even just that enlist in the army 
18, 19 years old are rescinding now their commitments and they're choosing to step away, most of them with honorable or generally under honorable conditions. And there's a big difference between both of those. But it's interesting because it makes you think, so what happens to these people that choose to leave early after the military has already invested so much money into them? You know, at West Point, there is a two-year commitment after you start, where if you leave after your first two years, you do have to pay that money back to the military. So it kind of makes you think, like, what are the reasons of why people are leaving? Obviously, we heard an array of things from everybody that we spoke to, but it makes you wonder what happens to these people, you know, when the military has invested so much money. In the case of West Point, I think their tuition is about $400,000. We put all this money into them and now they're leaving. That's something to think about. Now, and tell me a little bit more, if you could, about the discharge, because it is an honorable discharge if you do refuse this. So at least for for some people getting an, a dishonorable discharge, I mean, all that carries all sorts of other implications for your future. So at least they're not going that way, which is pretty good, I guess. Absolutely. And the fact that they're not getting dishonorable discharges is something that has been as of recent. So President Biden did sign the National Defense Authorization Act on the evening of December 27th. And there is a specific clause in there that does prohibit dishonorable discharges for service members who are refusing to get vaccinated. Now, while we were writing this story in the middle of December, that was not the case. At the time, the military and particularly with the Army, who was the ones that I spoke to the most, they had plans in place to start dishonorably discharging troops who were refusing the mandate. So now we're seeing that people are getting to separate from the military for refusing these lawful orders, but they still get to keep all of their benefits and all of their pensions, all of their VA stuff. So that's a very, very interesting development. And that was something that came up as we were writing. So it was a lot of back and forth and trying to figure out what exactly is going to happen to these troops going forward. And even as of now, with the Authorization Act signed, we don't really know because those policies by the Secretary of Defense and all of the individual military branches have not been solidified. When people are talking about reasons why they're refusing the vaccine, what are you hearing? I'm, I'm assuming it mirrors a lot of what we see in the general public. Vaccines might not be ready. They're too new. I know there's a lot of people looking for religious exemptions, although I think uh, there's been a lot of those put out there uh, or a request for them, at least and the military hasn't granted any of those. No. So we've seen across every single military branch that there's been receival of thousands of religious exemptions and every single one of them has been denied. Now, obviously, people that I spoke to, there was a gamut of reasons why they chose not to get vaccinated. Some of them were religious reasonings and they all had their reasons to cite. But what was interesting is some of the reasons that I also got was just the fact that people don't want to be told what to do. And that is ironic when you're hearing that from the military coming from, you know, you're given a lawful order, you are told this is what you have to do. And you get that pushback of being told no. So it's a gamut of things. I mean, obviously, people do have concerns over vaccine safety, which is understandable. But, you know, when you talk to people that tell you that, you know, they've served deployments and they were back Marines where they took the anthrax vaccine, which at the time when anthrax came out in the late 90s, when they mandated it, there was controversy surrounding that and people did push back, but not to the extent that we're seeing with the COVID vaccine. Right. So and the military been, has a long history of, of mandating these vaccines and, and all this other stuff health for health reasons to keep the troops healthy. Absolutely. And it all boils down to military readiness. And that is the most important thing. Obviously, we need to make sure that troops are safe and that they are protected, because if they do get called to service, especially those who are active duty, we need to make sure that they're ready. It was the same thing like when the flu vaccine came out, like around the World War II era when they started mandating it. There were reasons why the flu outbreak did not overtake a lot of the military branches because we had this vaccine in place and there was that trust in science that the vaccine was going to protect our soldiers. And that same motif is carried over with the COVID vaccine as well. 
Melissa Hernandez, reporter at the LA Times. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. We're currently able to guide machines throughout the field within two and a half centimeters or about one inch of accuracy. That precise location sensing technology enables farmers to place seeds, to spread nutrients, and to harvest their crops, all without ever having to touch the steering wheel. Joining us now is Dalvin Brown, personal tech reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Dalvin. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's talk about CES 2022. You know, it's the big consumer electronics show that takes place every year. This time it's a little different. The Omicron variant has uh, canceled a lot of trips out there. So they're still doing stuff in person. There's a, a lot of virtual stuff that's going on. Last year's show was all virtual. But Dalvin, tell us about what's going on there. Because, you know, CES every year is kind of a mix of things. It's some products that could be coming out pretty soon. Uh, some products are, you know, pie in the sky type things, concept technology. Uh, a lot of times they're just testing the waters with things, uh, seeing if people uh, like them and, and, you know, then they can pursue technologies like that. So what are we seeing overall at CES so far? Yeah, what we're seeing overall at CES this year is a lot of what you just mentioned. Some of the categories that are really popular this year in particular are like metaverse related technologies. So companies, you know, have various ideas of what the metaverse may be and what you may need when we're there on the heels of Facebook's transition from Facebook to meta. So there's a lot of that. But beyond that, there's just a lot of innovation or, you know, creative ideas for addressing problems that you may or may not have realized you had. (laughs) Um, And so this year is no different. Well, okay, let's start with the metaverse thing, because there's one that you guys put in your article, a virtual reality hot and cold simulator. So this is called Pebble Feel, and it's a, it's a wearable. It like, comes with a special shirt, and it can simulate weather changes, hot and cold. So if you're playing a game or something like that, or in the metaverse doing whatever, you can sense some of those changes. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Just this idea that, you know, if the metaverse allows us to step into another world with our eyes, well, what does our body feel like? And how do you make that more immersive? And so, yeah, this hot, cold simulator is just one example of how to take things one step further and make you feel like you're in the environment that you're seeing in front of you. Yeah, they said that it can provide a, a generated breeze of up to 107 degrees Fahrenheit or as cold as 48 degrees. Uh, and then, like the last line says, well, you know, uh, in the meantime, while all the VR stuff gets set up, uh, you can use it as a personal heater or cooler. So, that, you know, <laughs> finding multiple applications for it. One of the big uh, things that seems very cool for farmers, people in the agricultural center, John Deere has a fully autonomous tractor set up with cameras and all this other stuff. Now, that's cool. That's uh, one of these innovations that could really help a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. Food scarcity is a big issue. And so John Deere's approach with this autonomous tractor would, in theory, allow farmers to do more more work, create more food. And yeah, it's just really cool, this idea that a tractor could roam around a farm by itself unmanned. But, you know, obviously that sparks other concerns uh, regarding, you know, what happens to workers. Uh, But but yeah, definitely a a really cool robotic feature here as there as every year at at CES. A lot of times we see at CES things that help out elderly people, 
things to help them with mobility or just help, you know, bring things closer to them. So this year there's the retriever by Labrador systems. It's kind of a robotic table. So uh, you can put stuff on it. It can roll around the house, bring you things uh, closer. That one's pretty cool too. Yeah, that one was really exciting. I think one of the things that was really cool about it is you could just sit in a chair or at a table or in bed and call out for this thing to bring you food from a designated refrigerator and it would go there, pop open the fridge and bring you your food or your medicine or whatever you might need. And so that company also is planning to launch pretty soon and is accepting reservations for anyone looking to buy one. One of the other ones too, uh, you know, we've been talking about wearables for a long time. You know, if you have an uh, Apple iWatch or something, you know, it can monitor certain health statistics. These things are getting smaller and smaller. So now we're seeing a lot more of these on the market too. Smart rings. And this is another one that was uh, featured at CES. Yeah, smart rings were a thing at CES this year. Um, As you said, Movano Ring is one of the latest entrants into the smart ring category. The company is particularly focused on providing health metrics for women. You know, one day it might allow women to track their fertility, and it also offers a lot of the same tracking features that you might get with other smart rings out there. But one of the things the company really pushes is that it not only wants to tell you what's happening with your body, but also how what's happening within your body translates to how you're feeling, how you're sleeping, and perhaps even give you actionable insights. Dalvin Brown, personal tech reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, anytime. And for KFC, they're also thinking that This is really going to appeal to people who are making New Year's resolutions to eat less meat. Maybe they still eat meat somewhat regularly, but they're following a more flexitarian diet, if you will. Joining us now is Amelia Lucas, restaurant reporter at CNBC.com. Thanks for joining us, Amelia. Thank you for having me. Well, they're coming. KFC restaurants nationwide will add Beyond Meat's plant-based chicken to their menus. This is coming on Monday, January 10th. It's going to be available for a limited time, but, you know, a lot of people are looking forward to this. The plant-based industry has been growing a lot and people are looking for a lot of alternatives. And this is kind of one of the widest rollouts really for, uh, at least for chicken-based restaurants. So Amelia, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So about 4,000 KFC restaurants across the nation will start carrying these plant-based chicken nuggets, I would say, except they're, it's a different texture than a nugget. They try to make it like whole muscle chicken. So when you bite into it, it's a little bit more of like a shredded feeling instead of, you know, the ground up consistency of a normal nugget. Yeah, this is a a really important distinction for them because they do look like nuggets. They are nugget shaped, right? So um, that's that's what they look like. But I think, uh, what did they call it there? It was like this muscle technology that they were calling it. A whole muscle technology is what they called it. So as you mentioned, kind of resembles more of a chicken breast. You you actually got a chance to try these before they launch on Monday. Thoughts? What? How did they taste? Uh, I will say it does taste like chicken. I was fooled. You know, I think it's pretty true to the KFC taste. I am definitely a little bit curious about, you know, what consumers have to say about it. But I thought, you know, all in all, a pretty good imitation uh, meat. 
And, and you know, that's an important distinction uh, that you mentioned too, important to, or, or true to the KFC taste, right? It, a lot of these things with these meat analogs and, and preparations and whatnot, a lot of it has to do with the seasoning and how you're preparing it. So if you're seasoning it the way you would normal stuff, you're going to get pretty close. So I know uh, KFC has a very particular taste, so you're kind of already halfway there preparing it in that sense. And also a note for the vegans and vegetarians out there. They are making this in the same fryers that they make their regular fried chicken. So again, same taste as KFC. But if you are not eating meat because of personal reasons, personal beliefs, then maybe this one's not for you. Yeah, I'm super happy that you brought that up because, you know, even in their marketing, they're not specifically targeting vegetarians and vegans for that thing. And you know, for the restaurant themselves, it would be a, a huge lift to have to get separate fryers, separate machines, all that, just to prepare these separately. So uh, another important distinction there. Yeah. One, the restaurant industry right now is dealing with a labor crunch, similar to a lot of industries right now. So the more they can help out their workers by making the kitchen more simple, that's what they're going to do. Even introducing a new menu item, they want to make sure they're not putting too much pressure on their workers. And for KFC, they're also thinking that this is really going to appeal to people who are making New Year's resolutions to eat less meat. Maybe they still eat meat somewhat regularly, but they're following a more flexitarian diet, if you will. What are we looking at price-wise, and how, how is it going to be delivered? Yeah, so it's starting at six ninety nine. It's coming in, I believe, 6 and 12 packs. You can also get in the combo meal with their mystery fries, and it also comes with whatever sauce you want to pick. Now, this is also coming at an interesting time for Beyond Meat. I know sales have been down a little bit. It's like early on in the pandemic, sales were booming for these things. I think those have cooled off since then. But Beyond Meat has a big partnership with Yum Brands, who you know obviously deals with KFC, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut. So there's going to be other rollouts of Beyond Meat products with these other chains, too. Yes, we know that Taco Bell is working with Beyond Meat right now to come up with their own you know, exclusive meat substitute for them. And, you know, Beyond Meat and Pizza Hut have previously, you know, rolled out a meat-free pepperoni topping or sausage topping. So, you know, I, definitely lots to look out for. And for Beyond Meat, this is a, a good step in the right direction after dealing with some falling restaurant sales because of the pandemic and as well as falling retail sales more recently as consumers haven't been picking it back up at the grocery store. Ramping up to these launches, you know, Beyond Meat has been getting a lot of big industry veterans from Tyson Foods, other places, uh, you know, in the in the real meat sector, I guess you could call it, to help them with all of these launches. Yes, they have been. They recently hired in December two veterans, lots of experience from Tyson Foods, who are really going to help them as they ramp up with these fast food launches. Obviously, you mentioned the deal with Yum Brands. They also have similar deals with McDonald's and one with PepsiCo. So we're looking forward to those launches later in 2022. But it is really important for Beyond Meat to kind of get the right food industry veterans in there. They are a newer company and they are trying to scale and grow fast so they're not overtaken by the competition. Amelia Lucas, restaurant reporter at CNBC.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. 
This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.